back, everybody. This is Pressed for Time, a Gaming Age podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. Joining me tonight, as always, is Benny Rose. Hello, everyone. And I have a good friend of mine, Austin Knup, joining us this week as well. Austin, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. So, Austin, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, um, other than the fact that you are unfortunate <laughs> enough to be considered my very best friend and someone I have <laughs> <Unfortunately>. known for <laughs> someone I have known for many, many years. Uh, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, both professionally and unprofessionally in the world of video games, and uh, go into it a little bit. Um, well, I didn't have any time to prepare what I was thinking about saying here, but um, mostly uh, for the last, I don't know, six years, I've pretty much come to the conclusion that I threw away my Xbox, threw away my PlayStation, and have moved to only PC gaming. So now I've been doing some PC gaming uh, reviews for Gaming Age. I have done some on the side that I won't mention for competition's sake. <laughs> no, no, you can bring <laughs> it up. You can talk about the uh, the other project. Ah, okay. Um, then my other project that I have is uh, my own personal site that I've owned for a very long time. I don't even know the timetable on anymore. It's a group of friends. We've all talked to each other. Some of us know each other personally. Some of us don't. But it's called uh, Epitopica. Uh, very hard to spell. <laughs> E-P-I-T-O-P-I-C-A. <laughs> and what is the, uh, what's the origins of the word Epitopica? Where did that come from? Uh, it was entirely mishmash words that sounded good. It was syllables that uh, flowed well together and was a word that we could come up with on our own. It actually had nothing, no origin point. That's good. Sometimes the best stuff comes from uh, methods like that with no, no, real, no real method to the madness, if you will, but coming up with something just sounds good, it feels good, so here we are, and we like yep. it. And uh, I also consider myself to be a serial video, video game collector. Yeah, so point. your Steam collection is uh, a little bit ridiculous. Uh, yeah, just bypassed 1,700 games on Steam the other day. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I share a games library with this kid. Wow, lucky I mean, I, you! I have a friend that has a pretty vast collection, but uh, yeah, I don't think he's in the four digits. <laughs> I uh, I have a habit, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, though. It's a good habit to have. I like to use the excuse um, that I just like putting money into the industry that I like. It's a good excuse, right? Yeah, that works. Support the developers that you care about. Uh, maybe I haven't played thirteen hundred fifty of the games. <laughs> I would be very shocked if he did. <laughs> That's I, fantastic. Yeah, I've looked up online sometimes little records, and I have not played over a thousand of them. But you know, oh well, I have them you someday, them. right? They're there I'll be retired. You. Someday yeah, I'll be retired. Like Seven hundred that you have played. <laughs> <laughs> that is still an obscene number of games yeah. that you've played. Yeah, but over half of those have less than an hour of game time. <laughs> Just that's, turn them on. That's Don't still, <laughs> that's still, if they have less than half of an hour, but you still played over a thousand, that's still like 500 hours of just random games. Absolutely. So that's uh, a lot. Yeah. Other so, than that, not much. Yeah. Okay. Um, favorite video game? Favorite video game. Well, uh, my favorite video game has to be Shadow of the Colossus, which is where I've made my online screen name from. Uh, and I've maintained that screen name for a very long time. I absolutely love Shadow of the Colossus, and I've played through it more times than I can count. Yep. I, ha I can personally attest to that. I have sat there, 
and either A, watched you, B, helped you, or C, played with you that game probably, I, I have no idea how many times, um, between <laughs> between PlayStation 2 and the re-release on PlayStation 3. Um, then when we first tried, so back, I guess, probably seven years ago, seven, eight years ago now, we tried to set up a uh, YouTube channel. And we called, yeah, we called it the Gamers Immortal. That was our, that was our YouTube handle, me and Austin here. And, That's a cool uh, name. I know, it is good. <laughs> we, uh, we decided we wanted to start doing like walkthroughs and stuff. So instead of going out and grabbing like the next hot game, because we both worked at GameStop, instead of grabbing a game that was, you know, current and relevant, we went and picked up the Eco Shadow of the Colossus collection again and played through Shadow of the Colossus and recorded and uploaded a couple of the boss fights to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to see if I could beat everybody else's time on YouTube. Yeah. And I think I did on most of them. I was I beat the first boss in a minute and a half or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Impressive. Yeah, he's very, very good at Shadow of the Colossus. It's a great it's like all muscle too. memory at this point. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. How about uh, any crazy glitches to kind of speedrun it at all? Any like weird uh, cliffs mm -hmm. that you have to jump or... You know, that's usually a, a big thing in speedruns. You know, I can't say that... Um, I really didn't go for a speedrun of the game overall. I just kind of tried to kill the bosses legitimately as fast as I could. I didn't ever do anything like that. Though, uh, if you ask some people, I'm uh, a bit of a glitcher cheater as much as they want to say. Eh, I don't <laughs> think you're much of a cheater. Just, just more of a, a game exploiter, if you will. I, I like my exploits. You do like your exploits. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy them on the PC as much as the next guys. So I hate to say it, but yeah, yeah I'm glad I'm not the only one in the world that still world, like goes into that realm. I do what I can to break every system I run into. That's all I know. <laughs> it's not a bad way to live your life. <laughs> not a bad way to live your life at all. Awesome. Um, all right, so Benny, do you want to introduce the name of this week's podcast? Because all credit goes to you. Oh, stop it. Uh, we are calling this week Memorial Delay Spectacular. And because why are we calling be, it that? We're calling it because we're going to pretty much be talking about delays. Delays upon delays upon delays with games we can't wait to play. And some that we might just end up giving up on. Because <laughs> it seems like, uh, you know, when I hear that a game's going to come out when my kid's five... You know, when the game was announced five, six years ago, that's yeah, a bit discouraging. But, you know, it seems to be something that's really plaguing the industry. And, you know, we have a couple of specific games we're going to talk about. Red Dead Redemption is one of them. And uh, one of our previous guests, Anthony Parisi, uh, did call. The game was going to be delayed. So kudos to him. That's uh, one point for our prediction episode. And... I'll definitely be chiming my opinion on the Square Enix fiasco of the uh, the three IPs that they mentioned last week about, yeah, they'll release in the next three years or so. <laughs> That's real, real assuring for the fans. Yep. So I really like those really giant a, release windows. I mean, my logic is one a year if they're smart, but, you know, we, we'll, we'll revisit that later on, so... That's really what this episode is going to be about, just delays and, uh, you know, day one patches and how games just don't release complete anymore. Uh, another game that's out 
as of Friday, pretty much release broken Friday the 13th. Uh, mm-hmm. d- data server is just not working for pretty much the entire weekend. You know, when you have a holiday weekend, that's a big time for gamers to get really stoked to play. And most people were just frustrated. So, I mean, is it going to continue to happen? You know, how important is it to the industry and what is it doing to the value of a retail launch? Yeah. I mean, people are looking at these games like, hey, I can spend $60 to get it the day it comes out and it's going to be broken and I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to fight with it. And then nine months from now, it's going to be patched, fixed. The servers are going to work. The community is going to rally around it and it's going to be a real game. And then it's going to be on sale for $32.99. Do I spend my money and buy it today? Or do I wait and get it in nine months when it's done being fixed? And a lot of people are starting to say, hey, I'm going to wait until it's done. That's true. But I got to ask you a question. Where are you coming up with this $32.99 price? <laughs> just, is, that, just... is that the prices in Ohio? Did I, did I miss something? You didn't Pulling know? it out of thin air. <laughs> that always, oh, it yeah. always felt like what games went on sale for. Uh, when I, when I worked at GameStop. Like the... hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. I think I remember that too. Thirty two ninety nine, everything, all the time when it was on sale. Yeah. Anytime it was a, it was a big sale, it was like, okay, um, Skyrim's been out for nine months. Well, not Skyrim. Skyrim's still 60 bucks. It was like, <laughs> hey, well, this game has been out for nine months, ten months now, and we want to make some money on it. It's going from fifty nine ninety nine to thirty two ninety nine. Boom. Have a good day. Man, you're, they're getting an extra pretty much $3 over by you because the $30 is the magic number around here, $29.99. Pretty oh, much yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people figure out here, it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'll wait till it's half off, you know, and then some people are at that $19.99 price. You know, if it's 20 bucks, I'll pick it up, even if it's broken. Games like Evolve, hey, let's give you a complete edition that's really not complete. But, yep. you know, here, here it is for 20 bucks, and then some people got it for free. I'll say it, then let's give it away for free, and then let's <laughs> shut it down. And then nobody plays it, yeah, pretty much. And then take away all of our dedicated users' uh, ranks and levels. They uh-huh. did that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that game was a PR nightmare. Yeah, I wouldn't love... I would love to uh, see the faces of the PR team going, like, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> this didn't I, go can like... I, can I, can I, can I, that yeah. sucks. But, you know, that's that's literally what we're talking about. That's That's a perfect example of a... The game that just you know the pr teams and just the marketing in general like really hyped hyped it up and then it came out and just fell flat yeah it just it failed to deliver on the promises that it had made prior to its release you know they talked it up so much and said hey this is going to be so great and everybody that played it at every event was like oh my god this is amazing it was a great event piece but then that was all there was. Everybody got these little 30-minute experiences at previews and whatnot, and they said, hey, this is, this is incredible. I want to see what else they do. But in reality, there was nothing else. It was, it was just that same 30-minute experience over and over and over again that they kept having, and they expected that to be enough, and it wasn't. And that's a whole other episode is talking about the differences between the online-only games and games that have some type of single-player campaign and pros and cons of doing it both ways. Yeah, and sometimes when that single-player add-on ends up being an add-on, when in theory it's kind of like a backwards approach to to a game design, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, 
again, back with uh, Friday the 13th, perfect example. The game, you know, when it was going through the crowdfund process, it was literally a multiplayer-only game. And they hit some stretch goals, and they decided to add a single-player campaign. But guess what? The game came out Friday. Guess what's not with it? Single-player. Yep. <laughs> it's like, it's not ready, you know? Don't release the game then. You know, for the people that, you know, trying to justify 40 bucks. I have several friends that are like, I want to play it, but not for 40 bucks when I can't play it by myself. So by maybe by the time when it comes out with the single player, again, you have a price drop. So it's like, you know, what do you do? And the opinions seem to be right in the middle, I would say. People, you know, some people are just ready gung-ho day one. Some people will wait, you know, until it's a bargain deal. I don't think there's necessarily a right or a wrong answer there. You know, I mean, the the early adopters are what make developers able to continue to release games. I understand that. Um, but at the same time, the folks that wait are the voices that are saying, hey, you need to make sure the game that you release is a complete game, a complete experience prior to actually releasing it. Agreed. And there's there's so many examples out there of games that came out that weren't finished when they came out especially in in recent memory i mean look at look at no man's sky all right that's the game that everybody loves to hate on and we won't we won't spend a whole lot of time on that i hope not (laughs) that is yeah that is not and that was not anywhere close to what they said it was going to be when it came out and it is also nowhere close to what the game is today right they are. They still haven't attained the vision that they said they set out to get at the beginning, but it is a lot closer today than it was when it launched. And you know for a fact that this, all the changes they made were not in response to people's complaints. Those were all things they intended to do from the beginning. But instead of waiting to release the game until all those things were incorporated and they worked, they said, uh, forget it, we'll release it right now as it is, and we'll just add that stuff in as we go. So unfortunately, they've already poisoned the water hole there. Most of the people that were going to care about their game don't care. They've, they've already been burned. They don't care to go back. They either sold their copy off or they kept it because it was worth $0.37 cents at GameStop three days after launch because of how many people tried to return them. Those people have already given up on it. So the small customer, the small player base that they managed to retain are the only ones that are getting that real experience. Whereas if they'd have held off, they could have, and I understand it was plagued by delays already, but at that point, you might as well just delay it and actually finish the thing. I think that makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, it's just a scenario of, you know, the the end user only hears and sees so much of what's going on, even with, you know, the, the media outlets giving, you know, formal information about delays and stuff like that. The fact that the games look like drastically different outside of like missing components, stuff like that, it just goes to show you, you know, is it worth announcing games as early as they do? I think that's like one of the biggest faults that the industry has really suffered from because, you know, you need those those titles to like grasp people at these, you know, events that, you know, like E3 where you know, again, it's a mixed bag where people really hype for it and some people don't care about it. But 
you know, the developers and the companies that make the games, the publishers, they all need that product to, you know, hype people up. But at the same time, like five, ten years ago, you know, there wasn't a lot of games being announced that weren't being released within like eight months to a year from it being announced as far as at a convention. Duke but, Nukem Forever to argue with you. Well, that's... <laughs> 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 that that's a whole cluster of, of mistakes. Yeah, I mean, like that's what I mean. Like you had games that you can you can name because you can count them on your hand, most likely, that have that those delays. Now you look now, stuff like Kingdom Hearts is it's it's going to be potentially even longer, which is insane. You know what? What? Why? Why would you hype people up for something like that? You know, that's that's the fan side that you know doesn't want to look at the the business side of it but again it's it's such a tough thing to juggle and to understand especially when you're a fan of, of a game red dead i think is the exception to the rule because red dead got announced and i would say 80 percent of the people were like it's gonna get delayed like nobody expected it to come out because they didn't show anything and at the same time it's like now that it's delayed it's like oh it's delayed it sucks it's like but you knew like you were all, you know, nobody got really hyped because they were like, yeah, it exists, but probably won't get it to 2018. Bam. You're most likely correct. Now, if it gets delayed any longer, which, you know, uh, Rockstar can do, you know, depending on, you know, if they come across any problems, whatever it may be, that's really one of those scenarios where, you know, a game that gets announced like that. Like for me, they don't. They better not dare announce Beyond Good and Evil two, and then say like twenty twenty, <laughs> some some crazy nonsense like that. Because I'll just give up on E three at that point. I mean, I don't really have high hopes for Ubisoft in most of their games, but like, come on, like that's the type of stuff that you just you got to take a step back and you got to really think about the fans. You know, like when Fallout got announced, Fallout four. People lost their minds, and then they were like, yeah, guess what? You're going to have it in a couple of months. People are like, what? You know, like, you don't get that anymore, often. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a perfect example, and that's one that I definitely wanted to talk about, was the bar has been set so high. It, it's, it can be done. You can announce your game and then release it a couple months later and have it be wildly successful. We live in an era of instant communication, instant information availability. You don't need a year and a half to hype up your game in articles on Game Informer or anywhere else. There, there's not, you're not relying on print media. You're not relying on official Xbox magazine and Nintendo Power and people to get these things out in print and then to talk to their friends that don't subscribe to these things and then to start working on trying to get email chains out. None of that's the way it works anymore. You can announce your game and three months later have it release and be wildly successful fallout 4 was a critical and a commercial success it obviously works and everybody applauds them for the way they handled that so my question is why why don't more companies do that why isn't that the way that things get done anymore i mean how how do you not look at that and go hey that is a formula for success right there agreed i think a big part of it comes down to the way the development teams are, you know, the way their their gear, the way their their plans are set, you know. Another part of that is, 
to to piggyback on what you said about just instant access to everything in the world, digital, you know, everything is on the internet. The problem with that is on the devil's advocate side is people can't keep their mouth shut. Leaks are a big abundant, you know, problem in the industry when it comes to stuff like right before, you know, releases, right before announcements. And it doesn't give that hype the same feel. You know, there's a lot of games that didn't get, you know, leaked. And Bethesda was really good with that on the front of uh, Fallout. But at the same time, they've had other games that potentially are in the in the leak realm or, you know, assumption realm. Like the two games that are essentially going to be at E3. A lot of people have guesstimates of what it's going to be. And it's a good chance that it can be some of those games. Uh, like Evil Within... Um, I don't remember what the other um, another Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein, yeah, right. So you know, there's not a lot of hype for that because it's like, oh, we kind of know. Like Fallout, people were hoping, but there was nothing. It was really like the, one of the biggest surprises, and it's, I think it's a big part of that. Like the people that work for the teams, you know, there's always somebody that tells somebody that tells somebody, and that's the issue. It's never. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know, but. It's not going to always be the case of, you know, it's the guy that's doing the sound that's leaking the note. You know, he's telling a friend. That friend is pumped and excited. He tells somebody that just goes right on Reddit, you know, and, and spills the beans or goes on NeoGAF and says, hey, I think I know this. And then just kind of gets the talk going and then people start digging. And then you do data mining and that's, you know, again, accessibility. You know, people start data mining uh, some of these companies' websites. That's a huge thing that people do now especially getting close to E3, like uh, that Ubisoft Mario leak. Like, I think that is a terrible idea. I'm, I don't want to spend time talking about it, but you guys have heard about this Mario uh, Raven Rabbids hybrid yeah. game. Worst idea ever. Like, worse than Aquaman. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But, <laughs> again, the game will probably sell millions, whatever. But it's one of those things where, like, that can be a really big deal for Nintendo, Switch, Ubisoft, and it's gonna it's gonna fall flat because images have leaked. You know, that's a big part of that bad side of having everything accessible on the internet. That's kind of like it sucks because that when we used to have the physical press and the magazines and stuff like that, you had to go out of your way to get your information. You know what I mean? Yeah. Press releases were always mailed to you. Now we get everything in emails. Yep. You know, and right unfortunately, away. What, what makes it, you know, for me, you, or Austin to forward out, hey, we just found out about this game. We just want to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happens in a lot of cases. So it's a tough, it's a tough battle, you know, on both ends. It is. The internet makes everything more difficult for people. No it, secrets on the internet. Yeah. Uh, just... unless, you go, unless you go to the dark web. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to go there. Well. <laughs> so another big, another really big public example of a game that always got delayed and kept changing its tune and changing what it was, and this one kind of wraps back into your introduction, Austin, would be Ooh. Last Guardian. Yep. Uh, I mean, it was originally announced on PlayStation 3, and it came out last year on the PlayStation 4. Um, 
what was that a decade in development almost yeah it was so long that was uh had, <laughs> they had the only the teaser out for like two and a half years before they even showed anything else i think yeah um so for a game that you specifically were so incredibly excited for and a lot of other people how do you think the constant hype and then disappointment, and then hype, and then disappointment, just hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold <laughs> of their development and inevitable release. How do you think that affected the game itself and your enjoyment of it? Do you think well, it would have been better if it had just come out and you got to play it? Maybe you would have been less harsh on it, or do you think it would have been the opposite? I have never been one to judge too much on delays and stuff. I usually find them to be a good thing because it just means it's going to hopefully come out more in the light of which they want it to be. But I'm sure for a lot of people, it probably killed it, brought it, or like drew it out of the spotlight. Uh, it stopped being something everybody was excited for, because when they first announced it, everybody was so excited, and then it just became a joke at some point. Like, people would use it as a joke, saying that, like... Oh yeah, that'll come before uh, that'll come sometime right after Last Guardian comes. Yep, people saying that about stuff. Um, I I still enjoyed the game. I never ended up finishing it because I don't have a PS4. <laughs> you got through most of it at my house, though. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the game. I don't think it coming out any sooner would have affected my personal enjoyment, but I'm sure a lot of people, a lot more people, would have jumped on board with playing it if it come out earlier. Yeah, I think me personally, I think people in general would have had a higher tolerance for the bugs and frustrations yeah if they hadn't been patiently waiting for 10 years you know if it was a fallout situation where they came out and they're like hey guess what we're announcing this game oh by the way it'll be out in three months i think people would have been a lot more forgiving and a lot more understanding but since it was in development for so freaking long and it was delayed so many times, year after year after year. It was shown and delayed, shown and delayed, shown and mm -hmm. delayed. I think, think you could take some of those shown's away. <laughs> they didn't show it for a while. I guess that's shown, true. Delayed, they... delayed, delayed. Yeah, exactly. Um, they'll, they'll be like, it, it, it's still in development. Yeah. <laughs> they literally say that on the stage, and then they just walk up the stage. Yeah. Coming sometimes in your delayed, life. Teased and delayed, teased and delayed, I guess. <laughs> Would be a more appropriate way to go about it but after all of that i think the expectation was so high when it finally released like okay this has been worked on for so long it's got to be perfect mm -hmm. and when it wasn't perfect it was just really really good people said oh it's crap oh it wasn't it wasn't 10 years that was crap yeah it came out as listen here dog simulator yeah <laughs> And this dog is not obedient at all. I can tell you that my real-life new dog is much more obedient than that dog was. <laughs> if you point at something, does he look that direction, or he does. does he turn around? Nope, he goes that way. Oh. Do you Real good tracking. Him like, like with a gibberish name? Yeah, I do not do that. <laughs> I should have named him Trico, though. Yeah, that dog is, or the, the bird dog there, whatever its name is, about as obedient as my dog, who is a three-month-old puppy. Yeah. yeah not very yeah, obedient. That, that, that game was such a disappointment to me, unfortunately. And it was, I'm, I'm one of the victims of, you know, seeing the delays and 
pretty much, I think, when they showed the final trailer at E3 last year, I was just so underwhelmed. I'm like, this looks like a PS3 game. And it wasn't really about the graphics, but nothing drew me into it. Like, the emotion between the characters and stuff like that. Like, I just felt like they tried focusing so much on the mechanics and it suffered. And I hate to even compare the the opinionate, you know, uh, at the end of the delay, which would be Duke Nukem, like you said, 10 plus years, mm-hmm. you know, you had this hype train and then it comes out and everybody's like, God's oh, crap. But at the same time, with that type of game, you know, you know what you're getting. Like with Duke Nukem, you know what you, you were getting a Duke Nukem game. They were never amazing games. They were shooters. Yep. And I think for the most part, you know, I might get, you know, bastardized for it, but the game didn't play terrible. It just, you know, it was a really awful story. You know, nothing really made sense. I mean, he's getting a BJ in the beginning of the game, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I love I'll let you, I'll say, I'll let you in on a little secret, Benny. Austin and I both loved Duke Nukem Forever. I, I think we played it several times. That uh-huh. is one of my biggest guilty pleasure games <laughs> in the world. I found it to be damn near perfect. It was love, exactly yeah, I what game. I wanted. <laughs> I wanted just goofy, irreverent, insane Duke Nukem with some cool graphics and some awesome gunplay. And I got all those things. I I did not hate that game at all. Me either. And having the ability to piss in the uh, yep. in the urinal for <laughs> yep. and throw turds however long you want. However long I want. Unlimited Very urine stupid, and great. turds that I could throw everywhere <laughs> and BJ's I'm getting from these chicks. It was just, it was hilarious. It was uh-huh. exactly what I expected it to be. And that's how I feel with the game too. And I think that's, you know, with Last Guardian, I mean, yeah, you you, you saw what you were getting, and I don't, th- I think people really expected more because I think with that type of game, one, it's coming from Sony, so it's not like it's coming from a company that has a history of delaying games for 15 years so they're looking at it as like all right this is a first party title these guys are like putting a lot of money into it and then you just have these imaginary expectations from a fan's point of view of what what else could they possibly be adding to this game but when you get the game it's exactly what it was supposed to be i think you know i think mechanically the ai suffered at least you know from what we seem to be experiencing when we talked about it but, you know, the game was what it was meant to be, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's a big issue. You know, when you have these delays, everybody kind of puts their, their own persona around why it's being delayed. You know, like what, what particular things they're focusing on. Is it the mechanics? Is it the, the you know, the graphics? Because graphics seems to be the biggest... A piece of the game that suffers when it comes to these games being delayed. Um, Watchdog Syndrome, as, I, as I've called in the previous episodes, you know, that is a perfect example of a game that outshined uh, most games at E3 when it was announced. And it just became, you know, like a, a, a shadow of its former self by the time it released it. And you had modders on the PC that were able to make it look the way it did you know, when it was announced, which is crazy because it shows that it was possible. I know that resources and it becomes more on the technical side of things, but, you know, to have fans go out of their way and say, hey, you know what, we can make it the way it looked before. Why can't you do that? 
you know so that's that's another just stupid scenario of you know stop showing stuff way too early if if you know that that's not what it's going to be or you think that you're putting out something and you say that it's gameplay and it's not kind of keep it to yourself like that's just a strong suggestion based on history at this point I think that it might be hurt in its own unique way by being delayed in the fact that people will stop caring, but I think it also hurts it in the over the long development cycle in that, like you said, it felt like a PS3 game to you, that it was developed when PS3 was the primary thing, or it started to be, and then PS4 got announced and released during its development cycle. Correct. Yeah, it was built on the framework of a PlayStation 3 and then just received a little bit of a graphics upgrade, if my understanding is correct. They kind of went back and put a fresh coat of paint on it, but the actual framework of that game was built on a PlayStation 3. That's what it seems. Well, I mean, I guess technically it was built on a computer, but it was built for a PlayStation 3. <laughs> right. Well, in, a, in their own way, the consoles are also computers. True. Right. And um, I mean, the last couple of Zelda games did that too. They were yep. developing them for you know current gen, and then they end up moving them over to new gen you know went like oh we built it for here but we'll accommodate it you know they did it with the switch and they did it with the uh the wii went with twilight princess uh-huh. you know, they kept it on and, the GameCube, same idea yeah and that was one of the ones i've got kind of a list of of games that fall into this whole topic but breath of the wild is one of them breath of the wild was originally announced for 2015 yep wow the switch yeah the, i mean it, it didn't have that title at that time but the Switch hadn't even been announced to us at that point, right? So the fact that Breath of the Wild was announced, and it is an example, along with a couple other really good games, that were announced much earlier than they were released, but ended up being better for it after a delay. So Breath of the Wild is one. Um, South Park, the Stick of Truth, and now we're seeing it with South Park, the Fractured Butthole. Um, they were announced but then delayed and delayed and delayed. But the finished product for the Stick of Truth was, I still believe, my favorite game of that year. Or did a Dark yeah. Souls game come out that year too? I don't think so. <laughs> Stick of remember. Truth. Stick of Truth had a good excuse though. The company producing it got shut down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You always, but, you know, the, those legal technical issues. That's a that's a whole different story. That's a doozy and a half. Um, Horizon <laughs> but, Zero Dawn was originally announced for 2016 and it ended up being 2017 and the other big one that, another big one that really surprised me was Persona 5 had an original release date of fall 2014 and it just up, came out this year right? ended up coming out yep here early 2017 and is one of the highest rated games of the year so far which mm-hmm. is crazy Yep. Although, with what you said about Zelda, I think Nintendo gets hurt a lot less on that kind of deal because they've never been massive performance pushers or anything like that. Correct. They, they like to make sure everything's balanced and can handle, their systems can handle what they are doing. They don't try to push it to be the best graphically or anything like that. So I don't think the console release really would have hurt something like that too much. Agreed. And that's why... I remember I played Twilight Princess on the GameCube before the Wii came out, and then it came out on the Wii, and I didn't feel like I had missed anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing different with that game was literally it was a mirrored version of uh, of the game itself. Like in the GameCube version, I believe he was left-handed, 
and then the Wii version, he was right-handed. Oh, I re- forgot about that. I knew, I heard about that. That was weird. Yeah, because theoretically he's left-handed, but the yep. right-handed was because of the Wii remote. Exactly. The changes mm. that they make to accommodate the new technology, they build their, they build their software around their hardware, like completely. Yeah, it could be good and bad. In that case, it was very mixed. Because again, you, you know, talking about. I'm, I'm going to use the term gimmick because that's really what it was. It was the motion controls with the gimmick, and then you force people to play certain games with that. And like, Skyward Sword, yeah, like literally, like I would love to play that game without motion controls. And maybe one day we'll get it on the Switch. But you know, there was plenty of other games that came out for the Wii that suffered the same fate. And you know, I loved the Wii when it came out. I played a lot of it, and you know, a lot more than my Wii U. I'll tell you. Yeah, but you know, it just really comes down to that's the way Nintendo is, and it makes sense, you know. And you, you can't do much about that. But when you have a game like that, like Zelda, that you really you put a lot of time developing it on one system and then migrate it, and you know, at least you had the ability to play it the way it was intended on the GameCube, you know. And most Nintendo people still had a GameCube at that time. They didn't really give up on the system. Right. Well, a lot of people didn't know what the Wii was going to end up being. A lot of people thought it was exactly what you just said. It's just a gimmick. And that it wasn't going to take when, in reality, it did. Right. And believe it or not, I don't have dates. I'm not as uh, detail-oriented as you. But there was a game that was originally supposed to be a Nintendo 64 game. And ended up being a GameCube game, which was Eternal Darkness. Oh. And that was a game. That was a game that you you didn't hear much about. There was like mostly artwork. There wasn't really trailers or anything. And then when it came out, it just it, I think it did pretty well. You know, Crystal Dynamics pumped that game out, and there hasn't been a game like that. It was definitely ahead of its time, and it, that game definitely had significant delays. But it was. In the realm of, you know, we weren't really in the internet world as, as much. You know, you had it out there, but not everybody had access. And, you know, I, I was working at a game store at the time. And literally, I remember seeing Nintendo 64 boxes in the store, and they had pictures of Eternal Darkness on them. And I'm like, oh, this game is awesome. Like, it looks, you know, it looks cool. And then it just never came out. And then all of a sudden, it came out on the GameCube. It was crazy. And that's a perfect example of, you know, stuff happened in the back end but now that we have access to everything it's you know sometimes too much knowledge can can be a bad thing yeah no absolutely it's just funny to look at the the storied history of games that were in development for so long and then were a totally different product when they came out um looking at this year's prey if you look back at its predecessor. Now, Prey is already vastly different than the Prey 2 that was originally announced. Um, Which was originally a real sequel to the original. Exactly. Uh, but did you know that Prey, the first game Prey, began development in 1995? Whoa. That's crazy. It was in development for over 11 years. 3D Realms tried to build a game engine from it for it from the ground up. And it did not really work that great. Um, <laughs> but 11 years in development, 
Wow. Before the first Prey came out. And then the second one has all these problems and all these things go wrong with it. So it's, it's interesting to see these developers that have a huge delay and have a giant development cycle that then go on to repeat that um, right. with with mixed results, right? I think Prey the Shoe is very good. You can check my review out on GamingAge.com. But I, I really enjoyed the game, but it was not the game they announced back however many years ago that was. I don't remember now. Uh, right. And it's definitely not the game that came out 11 years ago, which is kind of Without funny. A doubt. 11 right. years between when they started development on the first one, then it came out, then 11 years between that one and this one. It's kind of... And, and a lot of people didn't play it. It was a game that I believe it was a first quarter uh, release title for 360. Like, I don't think it was a release window game. I don't think it was a release day game. I could be wrong. Uh, let me see. But at the same time, either way, you know, it was an early game. You know, there wasn't a lot out there in that in that realm of games for 360 at the time. You had like Perfect Dark, Zero, and uh, I forget what else was out there. Cameo, like, you know, it was a pretty small uh, release window of games. So you would have thought that a lot of people would have grabbed that game, but that game disappeared off the shelves pretty quickly. And then I remember years going down, people started wanting the game for whatever reason it was even before they announced two and it just became a game that ended up having a value like if you can sell a sealed copy like i think i had one sealed and i sold it for like 150 bucks wow because i had no interest to play the game i had bought it at blockbuster i think for like 10 bucks i'm like yeah i'll play and then it just got put into the massive backlog that we all have at some point and i just like went through a phase of selling stuff and i couldn't believe you know how how much that game sold for and it was like why and it was more because it, you just couldn't find it not because it was a good game you know yeah it was released on in july of 2006 okay can i uh i also i wanted to mention there is another game that got a massive delay time from what it came out that everybody loves after it released What's that, and that was team fortress 2 yeah that you was know that what was... i was gonna bring up Yep. Ah, that was supposed to come out in 1998. Uh huh. <laughs> and it got pushed all the way back to 2007. That's insane. Yep. And that it's one. like one of the most popular games out there now. Mm-hmm. Oh still. yeah. People still play it all the time. Um, Half Life Two, another one. Valve has a lot of them, but Half Life oh, Two. Terrible. Began Valve has in... their own time. Yep. They they just buy time. Um, so, like so are we going to say Half-Life 3? Is that like still a delay? Or just, <laughs> yeah, that, no. that doesn't exist. No, that doesn't exist. But <laughs> Half-Life 2 began in 98 and didn't come out until 04. Let's see. TF2 is still the fifth most played game on Steam right now. Wow. That's nuts, man. I mean, look, you got a good product, you got a good product. Yep. And it's, and it's good that the, you know, the, the fans stick behind the game like that. And I would say the community is pretty big, right? Um, at the moment, there's uh, yeah, sixty thousand people on, but it's it looks like it that's been around caps out a... pretty high. Yeah, it's impressive. So too bad, too bad we'll never get Half Life Three. Yeah, too <laughs> maybe I someday, would, maybe probably not, <laughs> maybe probably not. Um, so 
all of this talk on delays and everything else, let's let's circle back to Red Dead. What do you guys think? Is that positive or negative? Having Red Dead delayed till next year? Having not seen anything, going inside unseen, just with a couple pictures and a, a vague framework of what they intend to do. Are you glad that it's being delayed in such a busy, busy, crazy year? Or would you rather it came out this year to see what it was like? I always prefer that they delay it. If they think that it's not going to come out how they want, I think it should get delayed. It might hurt their sales to some extent, but it'd probably be better for PR and future game creation that it doesn't come out broken. I think that it's a good thing. It's also a bad thing. For me, I look at just 2017 as a whole right now. There isn't a whole lot that's going to make it to the end of the year. Everything's getting pushed back to next year. So would it have been nice to see the game released this year based on the fact that they seemed pretty confident on their announced trailer? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, you know, again, I I spoke with Tyler about this maybe a week or two ago. I said, look at the release list from like now to December. It's probably 15 games like that, that are worth talking about, you know, that, that are getting publicized. There's not a lot, you know, E3 is really the chance to see if anything else is going to come, but I have that bad feeling that everything is going to get pushed back to 2018. So with Red Dead, I think, you know, it's one of those games that, yes, I really believe that it should get delayed because they shouldn't announce it for this year to begin with. Rockstar is notorious for, you know, being perfectionist with their games. And, it, you know, they have a good proven record. So, you know, you shouldn't, you know, undersell somebody. That's just me. You know, I think that if they would have said 2018 with the content that they showed, which was nothing, everybody would have been totally okay with it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, now you got people that are somewhat bitter, but then you got people, like I said, that are just, they're expecting it. So, yeah, it would it would have been awesome to be out this year. It would have given me a reason to try and go finish the first one because I'm one of those people that didn't play it. <laughs> Oh yeah, unfortunately, I've had it and I've stared at it numerous times. I think I have it. I have it sealed and digital, and it's just—it was a massive game, and I just—I was always intimidated by how big the game was. So now I have a year to play it. I think a lot of companies have been getting really gung ho about their announcements. I mean, I think I can understand they're probably really excited about what they're doing and want to get it out there, but I think it. Like you've said, like I said, and everybody says it can hurt them by having so much info out there so early and not knowing if it's actually going to come out when they think it will. Yeah. Well, I think I think also I'm going to give a – I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going to give a positive look at Square Enix with Kingdom Hearts because I'm obviously not happy with the way they're doing things, but at the same time, um, everything they've said for Kingdom Hearts 3, pretty much in any little trickle of trailer that we've gotten at the end, says now in development. Doesn't say anything else. And I think that that's as realistic as you can get. You know, there you go. You're excited. You know people are going to be excited. You're letting people know it's in development. You're not letting anything else, you know, there's no uh, misunderstandings about, you know, hey, it'll be out this year. Again, you know, 2015, 2017. It might even been 2014 when it was announced. But you got, you know, a couple of years there, but nobody has said that it's going to come out. So everybody's just guessing. But I think the words that they used was definitely 
the better route than you know throwing a, a, a number out there and having the expectations be you know let down. Agreed. 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 Um, so I think bastards. <laughs> so, sorry, I was holding it in. Got got to get that one in, right? So 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 upset. Um, I think all in all, we can agree that it's a mixed bag. Uh, sometimes a delay ends up being really good for a game, and sometimes not so much. Uh, I think in the case of Red Dead, Rockstar has built up more than enough goodwill uh, between Red Dead Redemption, the original, uh, Grand Theft Auto Four, and specifically Grand Theft Auto Five. I mean. The fact that the game still tops the um, NPR charts is just out of out of this world. That game is so old, and to still be the best-selling game month after month after month after month, when other stuff's coming out, other stuff's been out, it's just astounding that it continues to sell so well. Um, so I think I think Rockstar knows what they're doing, and I think they've again built up enough goodwill that they can push the game back a little bit. But I would not recommend they they push it back too terribly much further. Yeah, if you're gonna push it back, give me a manhunt. I want another manhunt. Yeah, Rockstar, give me a call. I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. Benny will pen you a new script. Uh, I've been wanting a manhunt for years, man. It's one of my favorites. I mean, would it fit in this world that we live in now? Probably not. Every probably yeah. About it. <laughs> yep. That'd be controversy city. It would be. They, they <laughs> could just name it that. I just think about the first kill that you do in the game and just. Put, put, putting up a meme of that and just watching how many people would cry about it. <laughs> yep. It just makes me sad. Really I played does. Manhunt when it originally came out, and I think I was 12. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have played that, but it was still fun. Probably shouldn't have. Oh, man. That's some, all right. Some, some classic creepy stuff in that game, man. It is a good game. <laughs> I think that about brings us to a close for this week. Um, Austin, if you want to plug all your stuff before Benny and I do our outro... Go for it. Uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning, uh, the site and the project that I've been doing is called Epitopica. It's not, I, I said it's hard to spell, but it's pretty easy to figure out from how it's pronounced. Um, you can look us up on YouTube or go to our website. There are links to all of our stuff on there, just epitopica.com. Uh, there's a whole group of us that do a bunch of things, hopefully together most of the time. Sometimes it's alone. Our YouTube channel is a little barren. Um, Baron with Aaron. Baron with Aaron. <laughs> We're working to get it off the ground. So Austin's been very nice and PC about this whole thing because I don't think he quite understood how to uh, present it properly seeing as I'm here doing a Gaming Age podcast. Um, but I also, Austin had all the uh, ownership of Epitopica for a long time. It, was a, it started off as a Minecraft server. Um, but I came to him. Exciting. Yep. I came to him a good while ago and said, hey, I think we should we should really push this forward and we should make ourselves a gaming website. Uh, so I co-founded the website with him and started the project in the form that it is now as epitopica.com with the podcast and the reviews and that kind of stuff. Um, so definitely go, go check them out at some point, go check us out at some point, come see, we're really, really trying to do the video content. Um, so it's kind of a, kind of a different area of area of expertise, if you will, there. Um, and you do a podcast every week, yeah? I do. I, I host our personal podcast. We also have another one that is hosted by one of our other f friends that we uh, have. Um, I'd, I'd love to tell you a bit about that, but I don't know what his subject is he's aiming for. It's also not totally public yet. 
guess it's only it's locked down to our website and not on any of our other social media but my own personal podcast uh we get four sometimes up to six people in there and we just kind of bs with each other and wrap it up at the end yep it was whatever we can speaking nonsense or talking nonsense oh yeah it's a speaking nonsense is the name of that speaking nonsense yeah i you can catch me on there on occasion uh letting loose with the swears um, Lots of swears in there. That is, it is a lot more uh, not safe for work uh, speech than it is here. <laughs> there, are, there are lots of swears in that podcast. It's basically just a bunch of dudes sitting around, like Austin said, BSing about games and other fun stuff. So, if you ever want to check that out, it's a very, very lighthearted, off the cuff type, type thing. Yeah. Anything else you got, Austin? Um, I think that's pretty much it. I'm kind of uh, still starting up, so there's not a whole lot to it yet to talk about. Awesome. Benny, what you got, man? Plug away. Well, Austin, I want to thank you for stopping by hanging out with us. Good times. And uh, we'll make sure to link your website. We want to make sure you get that credit. Awesome. And, you know, the usual. Thank you, guys. As always, we love doing it. You know, this is our uh, fifth episode. Exciting to get more. We have our next guest lined up is actually going to be a fellow Gaming Age editor and uh, former podcast co-host of mine from the Media Masterminds, uh, Mr. Paul Legend Pop. We'll be having him on next week. So we'll, you know, we don't know what the topics will be because obviously game news comes up, you know, on the fly and depending on the day that we record, uh, you know, there could be tons of stuff to talk about. But, you know, sometimes we might just be regular off topic you know what we're feeling at the you know that moment in day and that's what we want the show to be you know just what we love to talk about and how we can interact with you guys as well so thank you guys for the feedback we've been getting we really appreciate it. we've been getting some really kind words emails uh people have been sharing the uh, podcast on social media thank you so much you know we're we're still building it from the ground up and we still got a ways to go but we got a lot of stuff in the works uh Tyler and I are potentially doing something in regards to a convention in New York in August. Once we have more information, hopefully we'll be able to announce that in the near future. But uh yeah, that's pretty much what I got. You know, thank you guys a million again. I'm gonna thank you always and forever. Yep. I could not say it better myself. The only reason we were able to continue doing what we're doing is because you guys follow us and give us the feedback and stay on gamingage.com and you follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff, you guys are the people that allow us to do this. Um, so truly thank you from the bottom of both of our hearts. Um, the obligatory plugs I've got are going to be, hey, go to gamingage.com, your one-stop shop for news, reviews, previews, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, like I said, me and Benny are going to continue to push forward uh, on the website, and we're going to continue to try to bring you guys the content that you want and keep everything up to date and keep it current and fresh and relevant so anything that you've got any suggestions any ideas nothing's too small please pass that stuff up to us if you have a talent or a skill or something that you think you can bring to the table some way you think you can help us out if you're great at video editing or audio editing or you can make a really sweet musical composition like benny can let me know send that stuff to us uh, the email is pressed for time at gamingage.com. That's the number four. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at GA underscore pressed for time. You can follow Benny at it's Benny Rose. You can follow me at that, that games guy. If I could talk tonight uh, and follow gaming age itself on Facebook, Twitter, 
all that other stuff. Um, I would like to, again, same as last week, thank the folks over at Mighty Mug for sending us these sweet mugs um, so we can sit here and drink whatever it is we decide to drink during the podcasting. I'm not going to divulge what's in my Mighty Mug. but uh, Quiet know, for a second. Quiet for a second. <laughs> Still doesn't fall. Still doesn't fall. Love it. Benny, it's going to be the new uh, the new expression is we get to hear Benny smacking his mug on uh, Press for Time. That's what she said. That's going to be a meme. Um, <laughs> and I want to thank the folks over at uh, the controller people out in, across the pond there for sending me the sweet click sticks controller that I have been absolutely wrecking bosses and poor little kids on Bloodborne with. Um, <laughs> seriously, if you haven't checked them out yet, I'm, I've linked them in the podcast. Go look at their controllers. Order one of these controllers. They are if you need something new to play with your PlayStation 4, you have got to get these click sticks. Um, they can basically build whatever you want. You tell them what your perfect controller is, and they will make it for you, and it will it will match the vision. I guarantee you when they send it to you. Um, so go on there, customize a controller. It's it's not off the wall expensive. They're very reasonable. Get it done, and it is hands down the best PlayStation controller you can get for the money. Uh, so go check them out. That's at uh, thecontrollerpeople.com I believe. If I'm wrong it'll be corrected in the link in the description for the podcast. And I think you should maybe take some shots and uh, post them on our Twitter so people can see what you have. Maybe they like your design as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I may try to get some type of giveaway going on here in the near future. Um, so stay tuned for that. See if maybe we can do a, do a giveaway for one of the controllers. But yeah, I mean, we'll always try to find a way to get some giveaways. We'll probably be able to find some stuff we get, you know, in the mail that we can do. Maybe when we get to episode 10, we'll do like some uh, couple giveaways. We do them on Twitter. We do them on here. Yeah, maybe give away some games, them. maybe some swag, something like yeah. that. Make a Press for and Time t-shirt and send it to you. Absolutely. I definitely want to do that at some point. Also, last thing is we're going to start trying to do some tests with live streams on uh, Facebook in the near future. Probably be weird because we don't know what the hell we're doing, but yeah, you know, you know how we do. We just roll with it, and you know, we make the best of it. We'll get better as we go on. So keep an eye out for that as well. We're just we're just figuring it out as we go. That's it. You're gonna see me holding the phone, like where's the button? Like I've never held the phone before in my life. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you, thank you again so much for joining us. This has been Pressed for Time, a Gaming Age podcast. Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Austin, for being here. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care and have fun, guys.